Raider Nation, it's that time of the week again. Subscribe and tune in to get the latest news and analysis on everything silver and black. But yes, the Las Vegas Raiders have their guy, Josh McDaniels. Looking for objective opinions and interviews with A-list guests? Just pod, baby. Congrats on 100 episodes. I'm happy for you guys. Keep doing your thing, and thanks for having me, man. It was a blast. Look no further. You are listening to Just Pod, baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Brought to you by SportsNot.com. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. And now your host, Evan Grote. Hello, Raider Nation, and welcome back. It is time for a new episode of Just Pod, baby, brought to you by SportsNot.com. Give us a follow on X at SportsNot, that's N-A-U-T. Check us out, uh, our YouTube channel as well. Subscribe and hit the notifications bell if you like some of the content that you're finding over there on YouTube. And also do me a favor, please subscribe to my podcast, Just Pod Baby. And if you want to keep up with me and all things going on with the Raiders, the podcast, and all the great work being done at SportsNot.com, then follow me on X as well at egro 5 As you know, I am a producer for sports not I work behind the scenes to book guests uh, for video segments and there is an interview that is available now on the website it's under so if you go to the home page on the website you can look under the video tabs that's what you're gonna that's where you're gonna find a lot of the work that I'm a part of and I I have one that I'm really proud of that I want everyone to go out there and check out I was lucky enough to be able to book Michael Lombardi and he joined one of our hosts who uh, I know many of you guys uh, know who he is. He's a good friend of the show, Scott Kilbranson. He is now a full-time writer and editor. He does video uh, interview work as well for us. He's also the host of Silver and Black Today with Mo Moten. Uh, so anyhow, Michael uh, joined us to discuss his new book, and it was a really great interview. And as you know, Michael spent some time with the Raiders. His son is the offensive coordinator with the Raiders. So there's a lot of connections to the Raiders there. And I, I think you guys would really enjoy that. You know, a lot. all of you guys are not only Raider fans, but you're, you're fans of the game of football. So uh, check it out. Uh, I think you'll enjoy it. And, and so I wanted to get that out there for you guys. But now let's get to the reason why you are all here listening to the show this week. That's Raiders football. The 1-0 AFC West leading Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, I know it's only one game into the season, but you know what? It's okay to brag a little bit when your teams want to know. Be proud. And plus, you know, you never know how long this is going to last. So enjoy it while you can. To start the show, uh, I'm going to give you some of my very brief takeaways from uh, the week one win. And I know most of you have now began to kind of look towards the week two game with the Buffalo Bills, and we will certainly spend plenty of time talking about them and looking at the Bills this week. Uh, But I I do have a couple of things that I wanted to share with you from the game, so we'll discuss that. Um, One of the big talking points this week from the game was Tyree Wilson, and I was pretty active and I was pretty vocal on social media throughout the week with my observations of Tyree Wilson's performance. I spent time this week going back, rereading scouting reports, going back and checking some of the game tape from him back at Texas Tech. And, uh, you know, I've had a lot of people telling me that I was maybe a little too critical of Tyree Wilson in his first performance, that I wasn't taking into consideration his recent injury history. So I want to just address 
some of those concerns in segment one. So we'll get to that. And then in segment two, we will shift our attention and our focus to the Buffalo Bills. We're going to be joined by Ryan O'Halloran from the Buffalo News to get a good feel for the Bills. I'm I'm sure many of you watched that much-anticipated Monday night football game against the Jets. I saw that 22 million people viewed that game, which was the largest audience ever for a Monday night football game. I expect that the Raiders are going to face a much different Buffalo Bills team on Sunday, a much more focused, a much more energized team. I'll expand on those thoughts a little bit later on in the show as well. So that is what's on the schedule. But let's get it kicked off right now with some news and notes from the week. I want to start with the injury report. Uh, Jacoby Myers still in the concussion protocol after suffering that dirty hit, that vicious hit from, uh, I believe it was Kareem Jackson, Uh, of the Broncos safety no need for it absolutely no need for that type of play in the NFL Um, anyhow Myers status for the game not looking good at this point did not participate in practice at all yet this week in the concussion protocol and that is a big loss for the Raiders offense who will need uh, to score some points this week because the Buffalo offense can score some points so you got to be able to keep up with them and you could see the the connection and the comfort level that Jimmy Garoppolo has with, with Jacoby Myers Uh, So if he should be ruled out, which it looks like he will, they will need someone else to step up. And this could be a great opportunity for some of those other guys who didn't see, who we we didn't uh, see or or hear a lot about in week one, have a chance to step up and, and, you know, make some plays. And I'm talking about Hunter Renfro. A lot of people were complaining about him not having a target in the game. And also Michael Mayer. He wasn't, uh, he didn't catch a ball as well. I don't think he was targeted as well. Um, Renfo played only, he only played 13 snaps in the game. And that, you know, that's extremely low from what we're used to seeing with him. That's 22% of the offensive snaps. And Michael Mayer played a bit more, 29 snaps, which was closer to 50% of the snaps. But what a time for both of these players here to to, to step up and, and get involved with, with the offense. As for my assessment um, of the game, I said it after the game on, on, on X if you follow me at erote 5 it, was, it wasn't pretty, but it was a win. And I think that's pretty much how you can sum it up. Of course, you would love to see the process of how the Raiders go about uh, you know, that win, looking more efficient, looking more buttoned up, and not have to kind of sweat it out so much. There was a lot of penalties in the game. It was sloppy at times, missed tackles. Uh, but, you know, sometimes that's how you win in the NFL. And, uh, you know, I told you last week, that if the Raiders didn't win the game week one, then things could get really, really difficult here. It could be pretty daunting with some of the tough games ahead on the schedule. Now, it turns out that the next three opponents on the schedule, the Bills, the Steelers, and then I believe week four is the Chargers, all of those teams lost in week one. So it just shows you that you know at any given Sunday, right, anything could happen. Um, but it, it was important for the Raiders to, to get the season started with a win. Remember this team going back to last season, they, they lost four out of their last five games. So they needed some positivity and they were able to do that, uh, with, with getting the win on the road in a divisional matchup with the Broncos. So I think that's a good thing for the Raiders. Now, offensively, I mentioned Jacoby Myers. He, he, he showed you, and I'm talking about some of the bright spots now, he showed you, why he was someone that the Raiders made 
a priority in free agency. He's a very good complement to uh, Devontae Adams, and uh, I think he's going to be a very good player uh, for this Raiders team here. Josh Jacobs is another player that I want to mention. He actually played a lot more than I initially thought he would. If you listen to the show, I thought we would, uh, last week, I figured we would see more of like a 60-40 timeshare with Jacobs and Zamir White. I was totally wrong about that. And, you know, Jacobs' numbers, they won't blow you away. But considering he missed all of training camp, he looked to be in, in, in really good shape. I thought he looked good. He looked quick. He looked shifty. Uh, like he normally does. He looked like the old Josh Jacobs. Um, and that is one of the things, again, if you listen to the show last week, that our guest, Case Kiefer, he mentioned that to us, that he looked real good in the limited time that he was able to to view Jacobs in practice. Now, Jimmy G, he also, you know, he was decent in his debut. Look, guys, he's a game manager, and and we know this. This is, this is just who he is, and that's just what he did against the Broncos. He... He does appear to be very much in command of the offense. I thought, you know, in last year, you can't always say that, especially early in the season. I recall there was many times where on the podcast we talked about the disconnect that was there between the head coach and, and the and the quarterback. It was clear to many people. It was clear to me. They just you could just tell that there was something that was off. I didn't get that same impression in the first game with Garoppolo and McDaniels. And, and that's, you know what, that's why they went out and got him. So uh, that was good to see. He made he made the adjustment going back to a particular play. You love to see the communication that he had there on the opening drive of the, of the game where they marched down the field and scored. He made the adjustment at the line of scrimmage in the red zone, made the beautiful back shoulder throw to Jacoby Myers. Those plays take a lot of time and practice and uh it's just you know it's a good sign okay it's a good sign those are not easy throws to make and so all positive things there he did throw the red zone interception and and, you know that can't happen and I have to be fair I criticized the former quarterback plenty for those types of bonehead plays and you know so I gotta be fair Garoppolo deserves criticism for that play just throw the ball away and you know he acknowledged it after the game but again red zone turnovers they are killers and and that is an area I've talked a lot about it that I was hoping to see an improvement from the offense they were two of four in the red zone against Denver now jumping over the defense you know I'm not expecting much Uh, you know I'm just not very confident in this group, I don't think they did enough to address the defense in free agency. I know they they did, you know, make some moves in the draft, but those things are going to take time. And and I think we saw that in the first half of the game that this defense is just still not quite there yet. The secondary was suspect. I thought I've questioned it for weeks. Which version of Marcus Peters would we get? Has he lost a step? Probably so. You saw him get beat uh, on the one play, and he held on to the receiver because he know he he knew he was burnt. Um, I also think, you know, it's asking a heck of a lot of Jacorian Bennett as a rookie to step in there and be relied on as much as he will be as a rookie. You know, he showed some signs of things that you like, plenty to like about the kid, but, you know, he's physical. He doesn't seem like he's afraid of contact at all. Uh, he gets his nose in there. Um, but I just think um, this week, especially, Peters and Bennett are going to have a tall task of trying to match up with Stephon Diggs and Gabe Davis. We all know that the Denver receiving core uh, 
it's not great right now. And, you know, Jerry Judy didn't even play in the game. So uh, that's kind of how I felt about those two. I thought Nate Hobbs looked fantastic. He, he looked like rookie year Nate Hobbs again, sticking his nose in there and run support. Uh, just a really good performance from him. And that's what you wanted to see from him as he was, you know, looking to bounce back off that not so good uh, sophomore season. So I thought he was great in the game. And then kind of getting to my final point here that I want to make um, about the game. Uh, and that's that's some of my concerns that I have with, with Tyree Wilson. And again, I don't want to make a real, I don't want to make a bigger deal of this than it is. There, there was lots of chatter out there about him following the game. You know, I posted several clips. Um, I do that. I'm going to be doing that most games. So if, you, if you're new to following me on Twitter, you will notice that after games, I like to put out some clips of good plays, bad plays, just any kind of play in general, really. And then I kind of analyze it and give you my two cents. So I did that, and I, I was focusing a lot on Tyree Wilson. And a lot of people, you know, thought I was being too hard on him. And that, obviously, that's not the intent. Uh, I want to see Tyree Wilson succeed just like you do. We all do. We're all Raiders fans. Of course, we want to see this guy succeed. He was one of the players I was most excited about watching uh, this this first game. But I have to be honest, he didn't look great. And, and I know that he needs time to develop and he needs time to continue to heal up from the ankle injury. I, I don't, you know, I'm, I know he's well enough to be out there playing, but he's, he's not, you know, he may not be 100%. Um, and so, you know, I, I do take all of that in, into consideration and, you know, you also have to factor in that, you know, I'm sure the plan was was not to have him play as much early on, but of course now because of the situation with Chandler Jones, he's he's being kind of forced in there uh, before maybe he's ready. So what I'm telling you is, despite all of the things that um, we just discussed, um, I I just think that he has a long ways to go still, and and from what I could see now. I went back and I read scouting reports. Um, you know, I'm, I looked at the college tape again, and th- this is who he is. You know, what we saw on Sunday, I, I saw a lot of the things that showed up in the scouting report. I saw a lot of the same things that I noticed in the college tape. He's raw. He's a project, in my opinion. This guy is a total project player, and this is my opinion. I think he's the epitome of a boomer bust pick. I mean, I think this guy's either going to be great or he'll be out of the league in a few years. That's just that's just how I see it. Um, and I don't mean that in a negative way. Um, you know, he was a consensus top 10 pick at a premium position. And we all know the Raiders needed a lot of help in the pass rush department. So I'm not sitting here saying that, uh, you know, it was a reach or anything like that. I don't, I, I can look back on this pick in a few years, even if he doesn't pan out. And I will tell you, it was a good put, a good pick. Um, it's not a bad pick. It's a, it was a good pick. And, and everyone thought that the potential, you know, outweighed the risk and that, and you know what, that may, that may happen. He has tremendous upside. Uh, it, the hope is that the coaching staff can can tap that potential can get can bring that potential out of him so that is going to be the question can the coaching staff get that potential out of him now 
again, I talked about how I went back and reread scouting reports um, and, and watched some of the film. I want to read to you straight from Dane Brugler from The Athletic, their, their NFL you know, draft guru. Okay, He does The Beast right every year. I'm sure you guys read it. I'm just going to read straight from the weaknesses Okay, listed here. Okay, So stay with me. Comes off the ball upright, tall and late. Pass rush sequence needs continued coaching, not a loose pass rusher who will bend the edge. Now, he continues to say in the overall summary section of the report, Wilson plays too upright and needs to become craftier and more strategic in his pass rush. Now, that is exactly what I observed in his 32 snaps on Sunday. So, yes, he needs to get in better shape. Yes, he was playing in the altitude in Denver. Yes, he's still not 100% healed up from that injury. Yes, he missed most of training camp. But guys, this is who he is right now. Will he develop into something more? I hope so. I hope so because he could be a great player in this league if he develops. The things I was pointing out in my Twitter clips are weaknesses in his game that have been there long before the injury. A lot of you were telling me, oh, he's injured. He's injured. The guy was just, you know, he hasn't played football in six months. I understand that. But these are things that were problems before the injury. The bottom line is this. He's a rookie. He's raw. And like most rookies, he's going to need time to develop. He's no different. He's no different. Hopefully, in, you know, the next few weeks, as he gets more, you know, up to speed with the NFL game, we see some signs of improvement. But in the NFL, you are not just going to get by with being bigger um, than your competition. You're not going to get away with the same things that you've been able to get away with your whole career. You got to have a plan. You can't just go and bull rush uh, tackles in the NFL. You got to have more to your repertoire. Now, one of the things I did also see this week is that the Raiders went out and signed Jordan Willis. So to me, he's on the practice squad. So to me, that tells you they realize, okay, we're he's not ready. You know, we need to get some help in here. Um, maybe they give Willis a shot this week, or if not this week in the near future. I still want to see more Malcolm Koontz. I I am going to con- uh, continue to to beat the drum from Malcolm Koontz. He played in only a handful of snaps. I think it was like fourteen or fifteen snaps in the game. I wouldn't be shocked to kind of see a a role reversal this week in Buffalo with Koontz getting you know thirty plus snaps and Wilson kind of taking the back seat. That's just my opinion. That's what I'm hoping to see. We'll have to see how that plays out on Sunday. So that is the first segment of the show. Some of my thoughts on the game, some of my thoughts on Tyree Wilson. I want to step aside now, get to a break. And when I return, it's all about the Buffalo Bills. We are going to be joined by our guest, Ryan O'Halloran of the Buffalo News, who covers the Bills on a day-to-day basis. And, And hopefully we can learn something from him. So please stay with me. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back here on the week two preview edition of Just Pod Baby brought to you by sportsnot.com. Welcome back to Just Pod Baby, a Las Vegas Raiders podcast. Week two gets underway this evening on Thursday Night Football. Eagles versus the Vikings should be a good game. The Raiders take on the Buffalo Bills in their home opener on Sunday, 1 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. I want to give you guys an update because I told you last week I was kicking the tires on trying to get to this game here. It's right in my backyard, as you know. I, uh, I told you that uh, I would let you guys know. So here's an update 
first off, you, you have to understand something about me when it comes to going to football games. I'm the type of guy who likes to wait and wait and wait to buy tickets for games. I'll wait up until the very last second if I have to. I'm talking the morning of the game in some cases. I used to live in New York City uh, when I first graduated college, and that's where I got my teaching career started, uh, right in Manhattan. And, and I would go to a lot of Yankee games. I'm a big Yankee fan. And I would wait, you know, just until a few hours before the game to buy tickets. So, I, you know, I'm cheap <laughs> when it comes to that kind of thing. I, I, I like to wait until the prices drop to as low as they will possibly go. And so that's what my plan is here with the game on Sunday. Now, the issue I'm dealing with here is, um, you know, I got two kids and I got a wife who they're Bills fans and they want to go to this game. And so that complicates things a little bit more because as you know, it gets a little bit more expensive when you're buying four tickets versus one. Things are going to get much more costly. Um, but long story short, I'm currently, I'm, I'm currently don't have a ticket. I'm not going to the game as of right now. Uh, I just don't see any tickets uh, that are worth it right now based on you know where they're located and the price of, of the tickets. And I'm not going to, you know, I'm just not going to sit up in the nosebleeds um, if I'm going to the game, I want to have a decent seat. And uh, right now the decent ones are just, they're still a little bit too pricey for me. So I'll remain patient. Um, this isn't my first rodeo. You know, I've done this before. And uh, and if I don't make it to this one, no big deal. I'll get them the next time. So, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just as happy watching the game, you know, in my recliner. So that's an update on my status uh, for the game on Sunday. Um, let me know if any of you guys are going to the game. I'd like to hear from you guys. Reach out to me on, on, on Twitter, send me a message or just tweet at me and let me know if you are going to be at the game this week. All right, let's, let's, let's discuss the Buffalo Bills now, a terrible loss for them in week one. Maybe that's being a little harsh. I mean, the Jets do have a great defense, uh, but considering everything they had to deal with once Aaron Rodgers went down, I think that's a, that's a bad loss for the Bills. Um, it's, it's on Josh Allen. There's no other way to look at that one. The four turnovers were just crucial. Um, how I'm looking at this game is like this. I, I think the Raiders are, are going into a very difficult situation right now. They're heading into a hostile environment, um, a home opener for the Bills after a bad loss, and the Bills are, are, are not going to want to get off to a, an 0-2 start. Not in this conference, not in that division. So I, I do expect a a you know the Buffalo team to come out much more focused and, and just ready to go. Um, just some thoughts on how the Raiders defensively match up with Buffalo. You know, I mentioned in this, you know, first segment, you know, I'm concerned about the matchup with Stefan Diggs and, and Gabe Davis with Jacorian Bennett and Marcus Peters. But, you know, also how are the Raiders going to match up with the DK brothers, Dawson Knox and, and Dalton Kincaid, the tight ends, that, that's a lot to ask the Raiders linebackers in the secondary to try to manage, in my opinion. One of the keys uh, for the Raiders has to be to try to contain Josh Allen and his ability to, to you know run the ball with his legs and just extend plays. We saw last weekend what happened with a less mobile quarterback, Russell Wilson. Both of his touchdown passes came on plays where he was kind of flush from the pocket and was able to get outside, the contain was lost, and he was able to get outside the pocket and and find open receivers and, you know, make make touchdowns. 
you all know as well as I do, Patrick Mahomes might be the best in the NFL at doing that sort of thing, making those types of plays, extending the plays. I think Josh Allen is probably the next best uh, at, at doing that. So that is going to be a key to the game. They, they have to try to keep him contained and, and be very disciplined, those edge rushers and, and linebackers and whoever else is coming at him. They have to be very disciplined with their rushes in this game. The last point that I want to make on the matchup before we uh, we bring in our guest here is is that the, the Bills did draft Dalton Kincaid in the first round, and a lot was made, at least around here in Buffalo, I saw it in the papers and I heard it on the radio, a lot was made uh, about their t- the desire to want to operate more out of the 12 personnel, two tight ends. So I did a little bit of homework for you. I was reading uh, some of the... Some, actually, I was reading the Buffalo News, and that's where I found this. In 2022, the league average of offensive plays that were ran out of the 12 personnel was 18%. The Bills came in at like 8% last year, so they were below the league average in 12 personnel. Now, in week one, with Dalton Kincaid now in the mix, the Bills ran 66% of their offensive plays out of the 12 personnel. So that is a huge increase from what the league average was last year. That is a really big number. So expect to see lots of 12 personnel from the Bills on Sunday. And how Patrick Graham decides to contain, or not contain, but how to counter uh, the Bills' 12 personnel will be a big factor in the game. Will he opt to stay in the base defense or will he bring in the the extra DB to help in coverage? It's going to be a chess match. That that is going to be something that I'm really focusing a lot on this week is the chess match between Ken Dorsey and Patrick Graham. All right, let's go out to the phone lines now and and get our guest in here to continue the conversation on the Buffalo Bills. Joining us this week from the Buffalo News is Bills reporter Ryan O'Halloran. And Ryan, we thank you for making some time for us this evening. We are looking forward to your insight. Let's jump into it now. You know, I actually live here in Buffalo, and and I've been telling the listeners, um, you know, on the show here this evening that I I think the Raiders are going to be going into a hornet's nest on Sunday after the bad loss that the Bills suffered on Monday night. I, I, I know the fans will be extremely rowdy, um, you know, given that it is the home opener as well. And, you know, the Bills, they absolutely cannot afford to get off to an 0-2 start. So I expect to see a much better version of the Bills on Sunday, especially quarterback Josh Allen. I'd like to get your take on that. Well, I think they need to be better, and there should be a sense of urgency. You know, this is a tough conference. Um, and starting 0-2 is, 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 is the kind of hole that a lot of teams don't dig, their, dig themselves, themselves out of. Cincinnati last year being one of the rare exceptions. You know, I think the crowd will be at full throw because they have not attended a game, most of them, since last year's playoffs against the Bengals, and the Bengals kicked their butt. So I think it'll be a loud environment. And uh, But on the other hand, I think it'll be a little tight because – how about things don't start off fast? How about it if it is a really close game and the Raiders show up to play, which I expect them to do? Uh, I do think there'll be some uh, anxiety in the ranks, both on the sideline and in the stadium. Yeah, you know, uh, I think that's a good point you make. It's something I hadn't thought of. Uh, but, uh, you know, I mentioned Josh Allen there. Uh, I want to go a little bit more in-depth w- with him. You know, we, we saw the turnovers kind of become a, a, an issue with, with Allen last year. Um, it looks like things haven't changed with him, at least after one game 
anyways. What is the level of concern, in your opinion, with Josh Allen and, and what I believe is, is his carelessness uh, with the football uh, I'm assuming that this is something that you know, uh, offensive coordinator Ken Dorsey and and Sean McDermott, the head coach, they've they've had talks with with Allen about this. It just seems like to me. Now I'm not watching them every single week. I watch them quite a bit here, uh, but it looks like he's always looking to make that home run play rather than just kind of taking what the defense is, is willing to give them. What, what's your thoughts on that? Well, it should be a concern because it's the same stuff that happened last year. That's what Alan pointed out after the game Monday night. He used a different word than stuff. And you look at you, you watch the tape from Monday night. The three interceptions were all his fault. Um, 15 of the 17 interceptions last year were his fault. So it's not like he's getting bad luck where he's getting hit as he throws, the ball goes in the air, or he's going through the receiver's hands and it's intercepted. These are the overwhelming majority are on Josh Allen. What's concerning, part two about Allen's game against the Jets was he wasn't taking care of himself. There's a couple times where he could have run out of bounds, he could have slid, he could have, uh, it, it could have stayed you know, uh, functional. Fortunately for the Bills, he was not hurt, but he took some big hits that were not needed for him to take. So those, you know, you sort of, it's a two-track two problem with Josh Allen right now. The interceptions that were a problem last year, still a problem, and the fact that he's trying to be a hero on every scramble is still a problem. So, you know, they can talk, you know, Sean McDermott said before practice on Wednesday, you can talk to him all you want. He's the one out there doing it, throwing and passing. He's got, he ultimately, ultimately, he has to make that decision. Yeah, you know, do you think it's it's something, you know, this is just my personal opinion on it. Do you think that he feels like there's enough around him uh, as far as the the weapons on offense? I know they used the first round pick on, on Dalton Kincaid to help help him out there, but do you feel like he he has to, or in his opinion, he has to carry the team, and that's why he tends to force things a little bit at times? Uh, maybe on third down, but he has enough weapons in the passing game. Stephon Diggs is the number one. Um, Gabe Davis is very capable too, and then you got Dawson Knox and Dalton Kincaid as your tight ends. You know where he felt the pressure Josh did last year is being that short yardage back, but, but they've added Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. So he, if he has a problem with the skill position talent, then that that's an issue. But I don't think he does. Um, I thought one thing he did do a good job of on Monday night is taking the layup. Um, he did check it down. He did throw it to the flats instead of scrambling or thrown into traffic. So, you know, I think you got to build on that and just say that's a, that's a little positive and then iron out these big things on these downfield throws that were just unnecessary. Uh, we are joined by uh, Buffalo Bills beat writer, uh, Ryan o- O'Halloran from the Buffalo news this week, joining us on just pod baby. Uh, wh- one of the areas that the, the Bills defense struggled uh, on Monday night against the Jets was, was stopping the run. I thought, you know, Brees Hall coming back from that, that knee injury, looked really good 10 carries 127 yards the Bills defense is going to be facing another really good running back uh this week in Josh Jacobs what do you think about that matchup uh of the Bills run defense versus Josh Jacobs well I think it's gonna be a challenge for the Bills and, and for a couple of reasons they are committed to playing their nickel package period and the Jets went three tight end late in the game and then on Bruce Hall's 83 yard run in the first half they had big people in the game and the Bills combat, the Bills didn't change their personnel. So that's an advantage to the offense using your big tight ends against their smaller uh, safeties, linebackers, and corners. 
And so I'd be interested to see what the adjustment that the, the Bills make this week, if any. Josh Jacobs, very good player. When I covered the Broncos, he made life miserable for Denver. And so well aware of what he can do. He, you know, I think he'll be even better this week than he was last week. Got his legs under him, uh, I'm sure, a lot. So it's uh, if I'm if I'm the Raiders, I'm looking at that as is is a, a part of the Bills' defense they can expose. Yeah, I agree. I think they're going to look to lean on the run a little bit here, especially with the the possibility that Jacoby Myers he's in the concussion protocol right now. Devontae Adams popped up on the injury report, so I think they're going to lean on the run as well. Uh, I'm not sure how familiar Bills fans are with with Max Crosby. I'm, I'm sure they're going to get to know him a little bit more once this game is over. Uh, he, he's one of the bright spots on the Raiders defense. And, and I know that Josh Allen is a mobile quarterback. He likes to use his legs to extend plays, get out of the pockets. Um, but what is the, the offensive line looking like in terms of uh, pass protection from what you saw throughout the preseason training camp and in, in, in week one against the Jets? Yeah, leaky at times. If I'm the Raiders, if I'm Max Crosby, I'm popping the tape. I want to go against right tackle Spencer Brown, period. You know, if he moves around a lot, I don't want him to move around. I want him right over that right tackle, play him, play him wide, and see if you can get the edge on him because Spencer had some troubles on Monday night. Um, and then on, on third down, if you want to match up Crosby inside, if, if, you, if you're interested in that, put him against Osiris Torrance, who I think is going to be a very good player in this league, but he's a rookie right guard, just played his first game. So um, in the second half against the Jets, the Bills started using Gabe Davis as a you know, chipping before he went on his route, they started using the tight ends and the running backs as chip blocks. So I think you're going to see maybe some more six-man protections depending on what kind of start Max gets to the game. Interesting, interesting. Um, now, speaking of pass rush, I want to I want to flip over to the, the, the Bills defense now. No Von Miller uh, for Buffalo right now. He's recovering from the, the ACL injury that he suffered last year. What was your assessment of uh, some of those Bills pass rushers, Greg Rousseau, Leonard Floyd, some of the other guys maybe up the middle as well? What did you see from them that you liked in week one, and do you think they'll be a factor here in week two? Yeah, it was a bright spot uh, Monday night. You know, Leonard Floyd had a sack. Unfortunately, it was the one that injured Rodgers. Um, you know, Greg Rousseau from the other side um, created some pressure. Shaq Lawson as a rotational guy, rotational guy created some pressure. And then Jordan Phillips, an interior guy, got a sack. So I think that they knew as a group they had to answer this call for the first four games as Von Miller comes back from his ACL. So they took it upon themselves. Um, you know, I asked Sean McDermott on Wednesday about the Raiders' pass protection. Didn't give up a sack against the Broncos. He totally ignored the question, which to me means maybe he has some respect for the Raiders on that one. So um, it's when the when the bill the Bills did not blitz hardly at all against the Jets. They were they they relied on their four man rush, which was effective most of the time. So I think it's a matchup where you know does Garoppolo continue just to throw quick, throw quick, throw quick. Or do they do they block it up a little more to try and take some more shots down the field? And what could be in, in, in let's say that they probably have to score more points this week than they did last week. Yeah, yeah. The Raiders' offensive line you talked about. Uh, the Raiders' offensive line they they did a really nice job in protecting uh, Garoppolo last week. Really was not under any pressure whatsoever. Kept him clean the entire game, and and so I think that'll definitely be a key to the game for the Raiders is to keep Garoppolo uh, upright again. You know, you mentioned McDermott not blitzing a lot. I know he's he's now calling the defense this year, if, I, if I'm not mistaken, uh, taking over yeah. the play-calling duties from, from Leslie Frazier. 
Um, I know it's only a small sample size, but is there any differences that you notice from Frazier to McDermott or, or maybe some changes that you're expecting to see here this season in, uh, defensively as far as the play calling is concerned? I mean, the only change that really jumped out Monday night was they played a big nickel, which was Taylor Rapp, the former Rams safety. Usually they would, last year they played Taron Johnson, their nickel. Uh, Taron would play the whole game. Uh, but he, he came out on several plays. You know, they feel Raps may be a better run defender. So that was the that was one change. But I think it's going to, you know, they're a big disguise defense, which with, with Jimmy Garoppolo, a veteran quarterback, okay, you give it a shot, but I don't know if it's really going to work. He's seen so much. But, you know, is is, is their pressure going to – are they going to have more variety in their pressures? Um, are they going to maybe play a little bit uh, more of a base defense? They didn't play base defense at all in training camp. I wouldn't even know who the third linebacker is right now if they had to roll out three on the field at the same time. So maybe that's a maybe that's a layer to their defense they add to become more stout against the run. Again, we're we're joined by Ryan O'Halloran, uh, Buffalo News, uh, Bills beat reporter. Uh, just a couple more here. I'll get you out of here, Ryan. You're doing a great job giving us some some really good insight into uh, the Raiders' opponent this week. I know a lot was made this offseason in Buffalo about drafting Dalton Kincaid uh, and being able to utilize more of the 12 personnel. I saw some some stats that your your colleague uh, had written up in a story. Uh, last year, the NFL uh, averaged 18.6% uh, uh, offensive snaps utilizing 12 personnel. The Buffalo tied, or excuse me, lined up in, in, in 12 personnel 66% of the time uh, offensively on Monday night. So that's that's a you know drastic uh, you know increase compared to the, the average last year. Do you expect to see more of the 12 personnel going forward, or was that more matchup specific? No, I think this is what their, their base personnel is going to be. And you know, they were an 11 personnel team last year in the previous year when they had Cole Beasley as their slot guy. They couldn't, they couldn't find one last year. They, Isaiah McKenzie had a shot to play the slot, didn't work out. They had to bring Beasley out of retirement for the playoffs. So they traded up for Dalton Kincaid, a Las Vegas native, um, to play tight end with Dawson Knox and they can, they'll line them up all over the place. They had a couple, they had uh, one play Monday night where Dawson Knox lined up as the running back. They played three receivers and two tight end called zero two personnel. So I think they like the variety and the flexibility and the versatility that those two tight ends can, can give them. And um, they feel like they can give them enough as run blockers. So they, they, they're not one dimensional when they have that personnel on the field. I like the decision to do that. Uh, last one I have for you here, and I'll, I'll get you out of here. Uh, we all know the Jets have a great defense, okay? Uh, one of the best in the league. The Bills offense is going to be facing a much different unit this week in the Raiders. Still trying to kind of find their way, I think. Uh, did some good things in the second half of the game last week against Denver. Uh, wh- where do you expect Ken Dorsey to look to get Buffalo's offense you know, back on track, get them going this week? Should we expect them to try to build the confidence of Josh Allen, get him going, get him back on track? Or do you think they're going to look to attack that Raiders defense, you know, with, with James Cook and try to get the run game going this week? Well, I think they need to do a little bit of everything. Uh, and I would give Damian Harris a little bit longer look at running back. Um, and Latavius Murray plays on the two-minute drive at the end of the game, the veteran back, you know, a former Raider. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's important to get Josh Allen – some easy 
throws to get him into a rhythm. I think they should go no huddle. They did that for the first drive last night or Monday night, and I feel like it, it did look okay. It did look comfortable. So I think that'd be one of the things is, you know, Sean McDermott will never do this. If you win the toss, I take the football. I don't care about the double dip, you know, end of first half, start of second half. This is like your quarterback getting on the field and, 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 and gaining some confidence early on with some throws to digs, get Davis more involved, and use your tight ends. Good stuff there, Ryan. Appreciate the time. Uh, you can fo- follow Ryan on, on uh, X at Ryan O'Halloran. Uh, give him a follow. Does a great job covering the, the Bills. Uh, Ryan, appreciate the time. Take care and uh, enjoy the game on, on Sunday. All right. Take care now. Thank you. All right. There goes our guest, Ryan O'Halloran from the Buffalo News. And some good nuggets there. Some really good information. The The big takeaway for me is I talked about the chess match that I'm going to be watching between Patrick Graham and Ken Dorsey. How do the Raiders decide to handle the Bills 12 personnel? I'm also going to be very intrigued now on how the two head coaches are going to attack each other. I'm talking about the offensive play calling of Josh McDaniels versus the defensive play calling of Sean McDermott. Ryan told us there the Bills, with a huge commitment to running the nickel defense, did not run any base defense in training camp. When they're in more of a pass-covering nickel defense, it's Tyron Johnson. They bring in Taylor Rapp as the big nickel when they're trying to, uh, you know, protect themselves against the run. So it'll be interesting to see how McDaniels decides to attack that if they use a lot more of what we saw last week with the jumbo tight end sets, bringing in Thayer Mumford to, you know, get some more um, stability there with the run blocking. I talked about how Brees Hall had a big game against the Jets, uh, against the, the Bills in week one. Look for Josh Jacobs to be a big part of the Raiders game plan here on Sunday. Okay, guys, good show this week. Uh, you're all set now for the game. You, you have some good information on this Bills football team. The rest is up to the players. We've done our part for now. Big thanks again to our guest, Ryan O'Halloran of the Buffalo News for his time. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done that yet. I appreciate you all and your support of me uh, and the show. I'll be back again next week. Until then, take care of yourselves, Raider Nation. Enjoy the weekend. Have fun watching the game on Sunday. And as always, just win, baby.